going on, all you wonderful A-plusters out there? It is I, Stuart, here once again with another review for Superman and Lois. This time I'm going to be talking about Season 3, Episode number 6. So, um, one thing I'm going to be doing when I talk about uh, the, some of the characters in this is I am going to be keeping Clark and Superman as separate in this review, uh, only because even though I do feel like Clark's overall arc does kind of tie into what happens at the end of his Superman kind of uh, thing, um, it, it, it does feel separate enough to where I can kind of keep uh, keep them as separate topics, if that makes sense. So I'll first uh, begin with uh, Clark and uh, kind of what he goes through in the episode. Uh, so the episode uh, pretty much starts with him in a group, and this is where we can kind of see where they're going with his storyline, because he's in a support group for people who have spouses that are uh, currently going through chemo treatment, and it's basically meant to kind of help them learn how to essentially, um, you know, accept the fact that things may not turn out the way they want him to. And this is something that, you know, Clark doesn't really want to hear, basically, because he's very much, anytime, uh, you know, throughout this episode uh, that, that the subject of cancer has come up with Lois, he's very much got that kind of denial feeling going on, you know, the idea that, no, no, nothing, can ba nothing bad can happen to her, I won't let it, even though, you know, this is one of those things that is completely out of his control, and because he's not used to, um, you know, feeling like this, I mean, um, you know, the, the only people in his life that he's lost uh, this uh, not 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 specifically through cancer but basically through causes that he had no uh, way of uh, preventing were his two parents and you know you could say with them it was at least uh, of like kind of old age and he's kind of at that point where he refuses to accept that it can happen again with uh, Lois Lane um, and that's kind of like the big thing that he has to kind of accept in this episode is that, you know, uh, he will lose people in his life. You know, it's one of the real big downsides of being Superman, of being so indestructible. But then when the people around you aren't, when they're vulnerable and they can die from, you know, natural human causes, it, it's definitely that big struggle uh, for Clark to have to kind of really accept that. Um, so Lois basically tells Clark in this episode that he needs to kind of, you know, prepare for the worst. Like there's a scene where she's essentially working on getting life insurance for herself and uh, writing a will as well. And Clark is completely trying to tell her that is, uh, you know, super unnecessary like that. Like she doesn't need to when Lois is just kind of surprised by this and just kind of like says, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to beat this, but, you, you know, it's there's only so much that I can personally do. So, you know, it's a, it's a big struggle for the two of them, but mostly for uh, Clark. And um, this struggle does also affect kind of the way he's been uh, training Jordan. Essentially, it seems like every time uh, Jordan has proven himself to his dad, uh, you know, Clark is constantly looking for an excuse to hold him back even more. Uh, you know, Jordan beats the final level in his uh, training simulation that Clark has set up for him at the Fortress of Solitude. But right after that, Clark is like, well, then let's uh, change it up a bit. And he starts creating more levels for him for him to uh, overcome and it basically takes Clark uh, happened to do like a surprise attack like hitting him with the laser beam that essentially Jordan didn't know where or it was coming from and that's what it takes for you know Superman to essentially for Jordan to not be able to beat one of Superman's levels uh, meaning that it's really more of a him thing it's not that Jordan isn't ready it's that Clark himself isn't ready um, 
So going to Lois, shifting gears to Lois Lane. So she makes a uh, friend at the hospital that she's at, of course, at Bruno Mannheim's uh, hospital. Um, and uh, basically this uh, new friend that she makes uh, asks her out for dinner. Uh, what I really like about this scene is that they both uh, share their different views on Bruno Mannheim, uh, but it doesn't really affect their friendship. This, this very much kind of reminds me of season one with uh, Morgan Edge whenever Lois would have discussions about Morgan Edge with uh, Lana Lang or Kyle Cushing while Kyle was definitely a lot more of a dick tor uh, towards her about the whole thing uh, Lana would be a little more understanding of why Lois was uh, skeptical about Morgan Edge but they would have that uh, kind of friendship going on where they could easily both of them uh, the two of them could easily agree to disagree with each other. Um, and that's kind of what we get here with Lois and her uh, new friend. Uh, there, there is a reason I'm not saying the name of her new friend, and I'll get to that towards uh, the end of the episode, because it is, I, I don't want to say this is a, one nitpick I kind of had with the episode, but it is something I did find kind of uh, silly, uh, but, but I'll get into that like at the very end of the episode. Um, there's also a uh, storyline with Sophia. Yes, that character who you constantly forget exists in the show. Uh, she gets an ep she gets like her own little uh, arc, basically about kind of feeling neglected from her family. Something I thought was kind of funny about this is um, so we also this week had the new Flash episode, um, which was of course the big event where they brought back uh, you know Diggle, uh, Arrow, and Kid Flash. Uh, and what was interesting about this is that it felt very meta in that episode when Wally West was talking about the fact that, um, you know, he felt very left out for so long. And in a lot of ways, it was almost like the writers kind of apologizing for the way they've been treating Wally. And the reason I bring up that moment from The Flash is because that's how it felt so similar with uh, Sophia in this episode. And she's like, you know, her dialogue is literally everyone constantly forgets about me. And I do feel like that's just kind of the writers being very meta about the whole thing with her because um she is very rarely written into the show this is like her first time she actually like has an arc in the episode <clears throat> like uh most of the other time in the past couple seasons she's literally just been a background character so it is kind of interesting that they uh act they finally gave her something to do in this episode um but basically she feels neglected because lana of course is busy being uh, the mayor which you know it's something i didn't think about uh when when she first took up her jo uh, the job of being a mayor she is currently a single mother of uh two children so i could definitely see this having kind of an, a negative effect on the two of them going forward and i think this episode is definitely evidence to that um so lana's too busy to basically spend time with her sarah has to study because it's like Sunday and there's like a really big test the next day and then of course um, Kyle is uh, you know he basically kind of had Sophia uh, dropped on his doorstep kind of unexpectedly like it wasn't his week to uh, to watch her basically so he already kind of had plans and he's trying to uh, balance his uh, relationship with Chrissy while also trying to be a good dad to his kids but it's kind of hard when he's keeping his relationship with Chrissy a secret something that Chrissy even kind of mentions to him that she doesn't like and he's just you know too much of a coward to kind of come forward about it uh and unfortunately this does lead to uh lana finding out and not in a bad and not in a good way i should say because um when she does find out it definitely can come off as uh oh you know i uh, neglected both of my children because i wanted to uh spend time with chrissy and if you know what i mean um which uh, lana does not take too uh kindly to and um 
and, and so basically this all leads into uh everyone pretty much this the way i see it is that everyone in some way shape or form was kind of responsible for sophia kind of running away uh kyle of course you know for kind of having to or for choosing chrissy over his family instead of just you know being a man and coming forward about the fact that he's seeing chrissy to begin with but also you know you got sarah i mean I get it, man. Being in high school, it's really challenging when you have a big test and you really have to study for it. But of course, Sarah not being able to take at least like, you know, 30 minutes out of her time to at least like maybe uh, get Sophia some food or something like that when Sophia's like, I'm super hungry or something. And then of course, Lana for, you know, taking up the job as the mayor in the first place when she was a single mother of two children. So it's definitely like there's no one person that was responsible for Sophia feeling this way. It was definitely a thing where all of them kind of do uh or all of them kind of are in one way or another but uh eventually they do find sophia and she's been hiding out i believe it was like at, at her school if i'm not mistaken um and it was really interesting where they went with this because Jonathan ended up being the one to kind of talk to her and tell her that, you know, even though you may feel left out at times, your family really does care about you. And then relating it back to the way he felt in season one when they first moved to Smallville. I actually thought this scene was incredibly well done. Um, and what I also like is how it kind of uh, adds to his story. So his story, like earlier in the episode, is that he's now working as a volunteer fireman. But of course, you know, he's the new guy and he's a volunteer. So so of course he's getting teased a lot. I don't want to say full on haze, definitely not. But you know, one of the big things is they won't even give him a uniform with his actual name on it. Uh, so I do like how uh, this moment of him basically uh, kind of helping uh, Sophia through a hard time. Uh, this is what inspires Kyle to actually give him a uniform with his real name on it. Uh, you know, kind of showing shows to Kyle that Jonathan, you know, he may be a high schooler, but he is uh, very mature for his age and uh, he is ready to take up you know more responsibilities and not just be kind of the butt end of everyone's joke uh so i did really like this and i do um i do really look forward to kind of seeing like i, I kind of hope that there's a mentor thing that kind of happens later on in the series between kyle and jonathan kent uh, but we'll definitely have to wait and see where uh where that goes later on but i do kind of like uh the dynamic between the two of them so far um, now, finally, of course, we got to talk about Superman because this is how uh, this is, after all, Superman and Lois. Um, so, like I mentioned, the arcs do kind of tie together at the end, but for the beginning part of it, they do. They are a little bit uh, separated. So basically, uh, Superman gets a call from the DOD uh, and discovers that Deadline is pretty much dying and he needs to see Bruno Mannheim immediately if he's going to survive. Superman, of course takes him to bruno manheim with permission from sam lane for, uh, from <laughs> sam lane i meant to say sam lane uh and when he gets there though uh bruno manheim completely denies knowing anything about deadline and tells superman to basically piss off and just take that guy to a hospital um i did really like the scene you had deadline looking at bruno manheim begging for help being like i didn't tell him anything boss i swear and then bruno manheim of course just even being more pissed off because he already knows 
knows that Superman knows, but he doesn't want Superman to have that extra confirmation. So I did absolutely love Bruno Mannheim, how pissed off he gets in this scene. And when he just like tells Superman to piss off and just take that guy to another hospital, it's, he's like, I want nothing to do with this. Um, it is also really surprising his confidence too, when like not only just with talking, uh, you know, to Superman, the fact that he's, you know, not afraid of Superman at all. He knows that Superman would never try anything that would, you know, uh, change public opinion about him. Uh, but I also just love the fact that however they're doing their experiments, the experiments they're doing on these criminals, um, he clearly knows how to cover his tracks because he's totally cool with Superman just taking this guy to like any hospital out there. So it is kind of, uh, so it is interesting how confident Bruno Mannheim seems to be with all of his different moves. Um, unfortunately, we don't get... Uh, unfortunately, we don't get uh, too much more between Superman and Bruno Mannheim after that scene, but we do get a little more Bruno Mannheim as uh, we discover that he has one last uh, final shot to try to take down Superman, and he uses onomatopoeia to do so. Um, and this plan starts with, uh, you, we hear Lois basically calling for, for, for help in uh, Metropolis. Superman arrives, but he discovers that it's actually not Lois Lane, but onomatopoeia, who's able to use her powers of manipulating sound in order to sound just like Lois Lane. Uh, so Superman, of course, uh, is getting his ass kicked by not only Monopon, wow, it's so hard to say her name, uh, you know, uh, more than once in, in a sentence, but he tries to take down Onomatopoeia, but, uh, her powers of, you know, basically being able to control sound is a little bit too much for Superman, and it's not helped by the fact that she has backup with people who are using kryptonite weapons. Uh, as Superman is calling for help, Jordan hears this, and Lois tries to convince Jordan to go and save him. Jordan is, of course, really hesitant at first, uh, but, of course, you know, Lois gives him kind of the confidence that he needs to get the job done, and it's here during this fight scene when we find out that uh, Kryptonite doesn't affect Jordan uh, the same way that it does Superman, which I find uh, pretty interesting. I guess because he doesn't have the full power scope of Superman, that means he doesn't have the full weakness scope of Superman but we'll have to see how that, uh, you know, goes later on. Um, this does make sense, though, because we do see early on um, in Season 1 that, yeah, the, the way that Clark was affected by Kryptonite was a lot different than the way that Jordan was affected, um, you know, by the Kryptonite dust. Basically, if you don't remember, there was a moment where uh, Superman inhaled a bunch of Kryptonite and it basically uh, weakened him, like, a lot, and then he also ended up spreading that exact same thing to Jordan, and it basically kind of gave him a uh, Kryptonian cold is like the best way to describe it. Um, so it, it this was kind of hinted at early on. So it does definitely make sense within the context of this show. Now, I think if I had to really nitpick anything about the scene, it's the fact that we don't get any Natalie or John Henry Irons, which I thought was a bit bizarre. Uh, I have no idea why, uh, like, neither of them were in the episode at all, because I feel like, uh, you know, you could have had, as cool as, you know, was to see Jordan kicking ass and saving Superman, uh, I couldn't help but, like, wonder why uh, Lois wasn't, like, uh, you know, didn't pick up her cell phone and go, hey, John, I need you to save my husband or anything like that. Um, I mean, I guess he doesn't have the same super hearing as Superman, so 
maybe he wouldn't have been able to detect him. It's hard to say. But regardless, that nitpick is kind of still there. Um, I mean, I'm assuming the actors both just had the day off, so maybe they just, you know, weren't available that week. But regardless, I would have liked to have at least had an explanation, like maybe John Henry Irons is doing some investigating elsewhere or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, again, my only nitpick. Now, the very end scene, uh, we see Bruno Mannheim and Onomatopoeia together, and it's very much heavily hinted at that they actually have an intimate relationship. But when Onomatopoeia takes off her mask, it's uh, revealed that it is none other than uh, Pia. And if you don't know who that is, that was Lois's friend that I was talking about in the beginning. I watched this episode twice, and I tried listening in, and I don't think I could remember a single scene where they said her name out loud. The only reason I knew her name was Pia is because I looked it up on IMDb, but if I had known that, I of course would have been able to immediately guess that someone named Pia would of course be Onomatopoeia. That's kind of the one thing that I mentioned earlier that I thought was kind of silly about this whole thing was uh, was like kind of the name factor. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I did think this was a very solid episode once again, uh, you know, somewhat light on the Superman stuff, but what we do get was a lot of fun, so I definitely don't mind that. Uh, the story, of course, with Lois Lane is continuing to get more and more heavy every week. Um, I like how they're, they they really don't seem to be pulling any punches when it comes to the cancer storyline. Now, there is a nitpick, or not nit really a nitpick, like a full-on like concern that I've heard like other YouTubers having about this, which is the fact that they're playing it very straight, and by that I mean they, they basically, um, the way they're playing out Lois's storyline is that it feels like a real cancer storyline that could take place in the real world. And I guess the big concern that a lot of people have is whether or not they're going to end it this way, because it would almost kind of just make the whole storyline feel kind of weak if they just had kind of like a, a pseudoscience, like a cure for cancer at the very end, making like everything that she went through just kind of, uh, I don't want to say pointless or anything like that, but just making it just not as uh, strong as it had been uh, leading up to it. I don't know what direction they're going to take with this. Personally, I'm just really enjoying how, um, I'm just really enjoying how, uh, serious they're taking the storyline. So for me personally, if that is how they decide to end the season, I don't think it would really take away from anything that we got leading up to it. I personally will still find it just fine, uh, depending on how it's done, of course. Uh, if it's through like something like magic, then yeah, that would be a bit dumb. But I feel like uh, the way they're kind of like building stuff up in this episode, especially with Bruno Mannheim clearly trying to, you know, find, uh, you know, new medicine, new cures and everything like that. I do think it, it wouldn't be super far-fetched if they eventually do come across a cure for cancer. That is made by Bruno Mannheim and then I could also see there being kind of that big morality struggle on whether or not something like this um you know should be uh, known to the public because of like the way it was made the fact that it was made uh by experimenting on prisoners illegally uh that kind of a thing uh so you know it's Superman and Lois doesn't seem like the type of show that would take the easy way out, so I am really curious to see how this all kind of comes forward at the end. Uh, but yeah, like I said, guys, overall really good episode, but of course, at the end of the day, these are just my A-plus opinions. We here at A-plus Opinions always want to know what you guys think, so definitely let me know your thoughts of this episode in the comments below, and then don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, but of course, guys, above all, don't forget to keep it A-plus, and I will talk to you all later. Goodbye.